0: Welcome back everyone to the World of Work Podcast, to the WOW, this is part two of the episode on how to become the CEO of your life. And I was sitting on the other side of the microphone as a guest speaker in Luis Maliz's show called The Recruitment Show. So we pick up the conversation from where we left off talking about performance appraisals. Now not so much about performance appraisals per se, as much as how to make sure we keep focusing on what we are really good at and become the best we can be at that, and of course address any noise if there is noise that's disturbing the talents that we bring to the table. So tune in and enjoy the conversation.
1: Shouldn't people be like just tripling down on their strengths right now? You know, what Absolutely. are your, what are the things you're great at, and
0: then you know, let's let's go down on those. I mean, there's there's a whole. Um, I think there's a whole psychological aspect to that, too, in terms of, first of all, it's comfortable. I mean, as a leader, you're kind of saying, hey, Louis, great job, really like this, but how, you know, let's also (laughs) look at what didn't go so well. Let's focus on, on that, how you could do that better. Now, my experience of performance reviews, at least my own, and when I would do it with my teams, but let's look at myself as an appraisee, every year would be the same. I I already knew what were my uh, weaknesses. And I'm like, dude, I get it. But I am not going to waste my time and my energy and my happiness in doing (laughs) and focusing on things that somebody else is going to do much better. So the question is, are my skills, my competencies relevant to make a difference in this role or in other roles or not that is the question the rest is cosmetics cosmetics that unfortunately though uh, impact a lot emotionally the people right because they say oh my god there are other, i had another review with lewis and you know i was expecting a fantastic rating and i kind of got a, a a really bad one and by the way i still need to improve on this that and the other and you're kind of like you you know, move on, move on, move on. You got to find that comfort, that sweet spot, right? Because it's also another thing, by the way, of course, we learn most with our challenges. It's through hardships that we learn the most. So I'm not too sure about this happiness syndrome that we're all going to be happy all the time. But I do think (laughs) that that if we look at challenges and hardships with with that sense of curiosity and kind of say, hmm, I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm going to prove to myself that I can. Then, I think, then I think it's a it's a huge learning for people.
1: Oh, you're right. You just got to be comfortable that you will not always be happy. You're not always going to win, and that's just how it goes, right? You have to be comfortable going through all of the different ups and downs. I think the the, the, the interesting point you were mentioning, you know, and your strengths, is, and, and and linking it to the team aspect, is you know if you find find a firm or find a team that I, that appreciates your strengths. There's other people in the team that are strong at the things that you're not. And that's, you know, that's a great team. And if you have a leader that's servicing their, their team and helping them be successful and stuff, yeah. you know, that's great. And whether that's in a big company or small company, it, it doesn't matter, right? Because everyone, everyone likes different things and that's cool. But I, but I think I still go back and right now you've, you've really got to be, you know, comfortable with your strengths, recognize your worth and um, and that that gives you the best that's the thing you can control right yeah. you can't control the stuff that you can't the pandemics the redundancies and stuff like that but at least it gives you some 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 control i think
0: some some gravitas right you're you're grounded yeah. on something and and i think yeah. the other advantage of that is uh I'm sure you're noticing it. Actually, I'd be curious to hear your views on how you've seen you know, the, the world of work changing from your perspective in terms of what are the new profiles and what are the kind of characteristics that companies are looking for at the C-suite or at, at other levels? Because of course, I have my view from external but also internal. But my point here is also to say, when we look into jobs and the job specs and the qualifications required, yeah. I think Wonder Woman and Superman are really <laughs> probably, <laughs> they probably wouldn't even make those jobs. <laughs> Number one. Number two, the majority of the times, the hiring managers, they got a lot of pressure to, to hire that FTE and to, to, to get that right person. If after two, three, four months of searching and after 50 candidates that you have been interviewing, you still don't decide on who, maybe the best you need to accept compromises right because perfection does not exist then it tells you a lot of things about that culture that company that leader and to go back to that grounded sense i really encourage people to stay true to as i was saying their natural strengths because we're constantly talking about upskilling reskilling filling the gaps on skills you're late on skills. <laughs> you got and it's like this ridiculous sense of running after skills that yeah. uh, uh, are, are so short-term lived anyway. There was a ex-CHRO, I think, of IBM who was saying, in the tech world, it's six months shelf life of your skills. Wow. So if you're constantly running behind your skills, you're running behind your skills. So the idea is, hey, stay on top of, those skills where you know, you first of all, you love them, you want to continue building your expertise in them, and find your niche. As opposed to finding the job, it's like, create your niche, find that opportunity. Sorry, I, I you probably no, wanted to. So want to many, as I said, there's there's a lot there of are stuff are here. There are so
1: many things to unpack there. I don't even know where to start. But I'm going to start... What, I found, what I'm finding at the moment, and this has been going on for a long time, and I did a pod, uh, live stream on this as well recently, but people are hiring for pedigree over potential all the time, you know, and and, and driven by many things. Um, but also, you know, given what's going on right now, if, I know, if you're a middle manager or whatever, right, be asked to hire someone, it's really tough to go hire someone who you think has great potential, but... I don't know, let's say you're in tech and you've, you've got a candidate from Microsoft or Google or someone like that, but then you've got one from like a mid or small size tech startup that actually has the potential. Like you've identified whatever potential mm-hmm. means for that role. It's so difficult to go hire that person, right? If they don't work out, you know, their boss is going to be like, what was wrong with the, the one from Google? Absolutely. Well, so, so for me, it's, you know, leadership, the board needs to give permission Almost for all of their managers and hiring authorities to to really identify like what what is absolutely critical to deliver mm-hmm. the role, what can we teach, um, and what what are the personal qualities that we think are um, are needed to be really successful? Like you know, being kind, considerate, team orientated, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you, whatever you decide is really mm-hmm. valuable for you, and and that's the way I like to go and it's you know it's difficult like a lot of a lot of people find it super hard to to hire that way um and not so many companies really go through it and, and think right. about it so structured um
0: yeah so that's what i'm yeah I, I i was gonna say that um i also find that this this paradigm of hiring um The concept of employment is a little bit tricky, right? Because when you're hiring, you're you're, you're falling into a contractual situation, right, with your employer. And and in some countries, you you may have labor laws. You have in many countries, actually, very complex labor laws where there's that extra pressure on the hiring manager. Because if you hire, let's say, the wrong hire, then it gets even more complicated to address the, the issue. So that I think also partially explains why people would rather be safe in following what they already know in terms of the profiles, the pedigrees. Because they say, "Oh, the pedigree, you know, it's going to probably fifty percent guarantee of success." Doesn't mean but, they're going to be good at the job. <laughs> but it doesn't mean they're going to be good at the job. And my other consideration is, which I always find really interesting. Um, also, when I've been headhunted sometimes, at, or when I was looking for uh, for candidates for senior jobs. You want to look for people who have that experience, but you know what? They don't want to redo that job. So you always need to find a little bit that, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? How am I going to learn something new here as opposed to plug and play? Because if I plug and play, I'm like, okay, maybe it's because I get an experience in a different sector, a different industry. Okay, kudos. I'm a CEO of my life. I am managing my assets. I understand how that's going to help my career. That makes sense. However, if your intention is to grow hierarchically in a in, in ladder, you're not going to want to stay in the same job and just move from company A to company B. So there, there are lots of these other considerations as well when it comes to, you know, Definitely. to hiring. I like
1: to, I like to think of it as, um, so if I'm the, you know, the person, the individual, it's like chapters in my career, like what's the story? And you know, maybe I think about myself two years in the future you know what? What's the story? Is it a good chapter? What have I learned? Have yeah. I built built on it? And that might be, you know, we're talking about this as as you know people moving jobs, but it could be that you stay in the same company for x number of years, but they've moved you, you know, and you've and you've and you've got different uh, experiences, and that's cool too. Um, or you might have moved to another company, and that's also fine. But I think if you're hiring, you've also you've really got to think about what's in it for the candidate, you know, because. Yeah there is, there is, you know, there's competition for great people, um, you know, whether you like it or not, I mean, there is competition for great people and you've always got to think about what's in it for the candidate and how can you craft your story, the company's story and does it match? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's many facets. It's funny because, you know, when, when someone goes into a role, they forget, you know, they always forget what it was like to look for a a job or to be poached or headhunted. So yeah, more, more thought needs to go into that. Um, I think.
0: Absolutely. I want also are there just any... talk... Yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. I, I was no, w- wondering if there are any questions or from from the audience as well. If there's any participation or any comments, or I mean, I, I do think these are kind of interesting conversations. To to. Well,
1: we we did have Amy. That hey, Amy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we do need we do need to hear this. But, but you know, apart from <laughs> apart from that, um, the portfolio career I think is interesting. A portfolio of jobs, I call it. And and I don't know about you, but I've seen more and more now people opting for like, and and almost the same thing that you've done, you know, is almost have a few jobs. And I I see this at all levels in all different industries. You even see a bunch of platforms popping up now, like Fiverr and a few others where Mm -hmm. you can sell your skills as a service almost. Are, Are you seeing the same thing?
0: I, I am, I am, um, but I'm seeing it in a very random way. I don't know if, that, if you're seeing the same. So here's what, I, here's what I'm seeing and kind of sensing, but would like to get your opinion since you're more, let's say, in that side of the market. Um, I'm, I'm sensing a bit of a panic mode in people. <laughs> when, when they're looking for a job, it's like I apply here, 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 here. It reminds me, you may see a couple of guitars here in the background. It reminds, because I do music. It reminds me of me, if I were to send my songs, my music, left, right, and center from Warner, <laughs> Warner Music to Universal Studios to you name it, da, 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 without a plan and without really seeing how am, am I targeting this in the right way? And am I the best candidate, quote, unquote, for this job? Is it even worth it? So the zigzagging, um, up to a certain extent, it's good because you got to learn through the process. Don't get me wrong. But I am sensing that this this skill offering um, seems to be, first of all, seems to be playing down on the economies. So unfortunately, people are short selling their skills. I see it everywhere the freebie economy whether you're coach whether you're a, a software programmer whether you are uh, a change management consultant i don't i don't know there is this this ridiculous sense in my opinion that because you've decided to go gigging quote unquote or to kind of play different portfolios um that that you're going to be playing down on your price and even if the cost equation is not as high as it used to be because of the platforms that we have. So the cost production of a service or a product is not as high as it used to be. You need to look at the value that you're giving, the value you're providing. And the risk I see about the zigzagging and portfolioing without a a clear design in your mind is that we're going to be putting down the, the value of what we're offering to the lowest denominator. And that's not the point because because I, well, think, I think, you know, if, if we talk about, sorry, just to, to finish but, the concept of the CEO and your assets, a CEO would never think that way. A CEO would never think that way of of devalu- devaluing, I think is the right word, yeah, Monetize yeah. their assets. It is actually how to put greater value on them. It's how to invest in them, how to make them so special, so unique that you're going to be offering them monetizing some and deciding to not monetize some others, right? To subsidize some other things that you may want. So yes and no, to your point about the, you know, the the skills, I do see it. I just kind of sense it's a little bit of a random process for Um,
1: now. I'm not sure. I think, um, you know, I think everyone's comfortable doing different things and it's always obviously been that way. I I think with, you know, the stuff you're talking about and maybe it's executive coaching or marketing services or whatever it might be. You know, I think the market always always decides what you're worth, or you know, there's always uh, market dynamics going on, and, and I think it, it still goes back to you know, know your worth. There's always there's always levels to the game, you know, like in every industry, whether if, if it's exec coaching, you know, you know when you meet a coach that's that's quali- really really quality, you know they're really quality, and, and they know that they know their worth, and they're probably gonna they're gonna be charging right. a premium. Like it like in anything, you know, you're always willing to pay a bit more for quality, or you're happy with something that's so I think that the prices vary. Um, I think it's always mm-hmm. been like that. I don't think this has changed. I think I think people's mindsets have changed. I think people are opting for a portfolio of jobs, whatever you call it, you know, jobs on demand, gig economy, things like that. And for many reasons. You know, some people um you know, they want to be able to control when and how much they work. You know, I've seen a lot of um, female friends who have been able to, to, do, to do really good work, mm-hmm. but in their own, you know, on their own terms, which they wouldn't have done before.
0: before.
1: Um, yeah, I think there's many benefits to it. Uh, and I think, again, it's all personal, you know, but I think with technology, with all these different trends, it's enabled people to do that. And I think this, this world of work for me this is one of the, the big ways it's, it's changed. Um, you know, people being able to choose a little bit, you know, and if they've recognised what they're great at, let's say it's exec coaching or it's um, um, IT development or whatever it might be, they're like, right, this is what I'm great at and can I sell it? Can I do it for a living? Will people pay me money yep. for my services? Yep. And hey, look, if you're great at it and the answer is yes and you start earning some money from it, then, you know, the freedom... It's amazing, right? And then you've got to get used to the fact that you're running your own business and you have to get used to accounting and finance and setting your prices, having a walkaway point, knowing your worth and not commoditizing yourself.
0: Exactly. And, uh, exactly. and that's, that goes with running the business. For me? Well, you, you've already clearly become a CEO of your life already.
1: Well, no, <laughs> you're, you're working, you're, you're working.
0: It, you could be my role um, model. You're, you're, you're the one I'm no, going to be looking at when I continue building my skills in that area.
1: <laughs> no, any from speaking with you that I've managed to uh, crystallise my views, <laughs> but but you know, honestly, wow. it does. <laughs> But it does take time because, you know, I have been doing it for a while. Like I, I set up my own business after uni. I've been running my search room for 11 years. It always, I mean, you never, you never arrive at the place you're trying to get to. It's you just, you have all these experiences. And the one thing I've got, I guess, is comfortable with being uncomfortable and with all the ups and downs that come with, with it. Um, but it's also quite liberating as well, I find.
0: Yeah. I think Virginia Woolf said something like, you know, um, you can't find peace by avoiding life. And, and and this illusion that, you know, if I stay calm, I stay put, I don't move. <laughs> I'm like in my little corner. I'll wait until like, the oh, next wave comes over like that. Yeah, you, so, you, you will not be able to find peace by avoiding no. the the, the challenges of life, which are, which are these? And I think in the world of work, it is, I I don't believe in the loom and gloom and the doom uh, aspects. I do think it is such a prolific um, world out there. There are multiple ones. First of all, there are parallel ones. There are multi-layered ones. You've got a physical, digital, virtual one. You have uh, uh, intersections of, of, industries that you would have never thought possible in in the past you know where technology is fully embraced, for example with the life sciences you know um, there are more than 250,000 med applications out there and the future in, in, in the healthcare is going to be completely different from what we know it today. So I think when you are able as an individual to understand these dynamics and design your world of work, in a way that suits your needs, because that's also important, your wishes, and you are able to identify what you can offer, then you're in a much better position at least to say, oh, this, no, this, no. <laughs> so what is yes? What, where, where are those areas where I can play strongly in? Not because I have to. Or not because somebody told me, this is the right job for you. Because if you have that job, then you're going to be... <laughs> but rather, it is something that's going to make you feel fulfilled. Because uh, we all only have one life. And, um, and and I do think there's so many challenges out there uh, in the world, environmental challenges, societal challenges, uh, that that if really people don't find something that they're passionate about and contributing in society, then Okay. Okay but yeah, it's a true. bit surprising
1: well what a beautiful place to end thank you so much oh. um, Great job.
0: well that was a beautiful place to end I do agree with Lewis and I thank him once again for having hosted me in his show The Recruitment Show I do think we all have something that we can contribute in this life and in this world until the next time as always do take good care